Parsha Shemos is where we meet Moshe Rabbeinu for the very first time. Moshe Rabbeinu, someone whom we would likely and reasonably refer to as the single greatest human being in all of history. Certainly the greatest leader of the Jewish people, and definitely the greatest Navi, the greatest prophet of all time, Lokam Kemosha. The very least we would call him great. And even that would be a great understatement. What's interesting, though, is that when we meet Moshe Rabbeinu for the first time, the Torah does not necessarily refer to him as great, at least not at that point. He is, however, referred to as good. Vatahar ha'isha, and the woman conceived, vatelet bein, and she gave birth to a son, vatera oso kitovhu, and she saw that he was good. Vatitzbeneu shloshirachem, and she hid him for three months. The question is, what exactly does it mean that Moshe Rabbeinu at his birth, that he was good. What does it mean that his mother, Yocheved, saw that he was good? And to address that question, we will have to enter another dimension, one not only of Pshat, but of Remez, Drash, and Sod, a journey into a mystifying paradise of Parsha and imagination, which we call the Parsha Pardes. Welcome to this week's edition of Parsha Pardes, or Parsha Paradise. This week is Parsha Shemos, and we are looking directly at Moshe Rabbeinu, the first moments of his life where it's apparently very evident that he's good, but good at what? So that we will first address with Pashup Shah, looking at some of the classical Rishonim that we use for Pashup Shah, the Rajbam, also the Bukhor Shor, they both suggest that she saw that he was tov, he was good, meaning he was viable. He was a Bar Kayama, he was a Ben Kayama, he was going to live, despite the fact that he was just born, and according to Chazal, he was born prematurely, but they, uh, she nonetheless saw that he was viable, he was healthy, he wasn't going to be a stillborn, and therefore she made the efforts to maintain him, to protect him as long as she possibly could. And this, this understanding of the word tov is very consistent with Hashem's description of Tov at the beginning of creation, when Hashem sees that his creations are good, usually that's a description of a creation that is going to endure, that is complete as it is. And therefore, what, they, what the Rashbam and the, and the Bechor Shor are explaining that Yuchavet saw was in fact that he was Tov, he was set, he was good, he was going to live. And therefore, she made her efforts to make sure that he would live. The Ibn Ezra, also Al-Pipashib Shah, suggests that what she saw when that he was good, what it means is that he had an exceptionally good form. You can make a similar argument that despite the fact that he was born prematurely and under very um, harsh circumstances, uh, nonetheless, this, this boy looked exceptional. Um, some, some people believe that all babies look really, really cute and look beautiful. Some people will tell you that not all babies really are good looking. Some of them maybe um, are not aesthetically pleasing. But not so with Moshe Rabbeinu, says the Ibn Ezra. Moshe Rabbeinu had exceptionally good form. She saw that he was good. The Ramban, I'm not sure if you would call this pshat or drash, but the Ramban says that there's something even beyond. That, that she saw that he was good, that, he, that the, a miracle was destined to happen al yado, that somehow there was going to be a miracle that was going to happen through Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, what I have to, if the Ramban is assuming this al-pi pshat, what it must mean is that tov is something that you can't just really... Um, qualify, quantify, you can't really measure it. It must mean there's something beyond. Maybe even I'll paper shot. And if it's a drash, so then that, that will just speak for itself. Moving over to Remez, however, when it comes to Remez, and this will have some overlap with the famous drashos as well on this word, Tov, 
the, we start with the Paneach Raza. The Paneach Raza gives a very fascinating remez that he takes the words, Oso ki tovhu, right? It says, Vatera, that she saw, Oso him ki tovhu, um, him that he was good. Says the Paneach Raza, um, that bigamatria, this equals Shenolad Mahu, that he was born circumcised. Now, I did the math. It's, it's off by one, so it's a gematria in Hakolel. The words osoki tovhu are actually one more than the phrase shenolad mahul, that he was born circumcised. And even though there's a classical rule that in Hakolel the gematria works if it's off by one, I usually try to come up with some explanation to explain why there should one, one phrase should be more than the other. I'm not entirely sure why at this point the phrase Oso Kitovhu is one more than the phrase Shinolad Mahu, that he was born circumcised. Nonetheless, we could maybe suggest that this gives room to all the other possible drushos of what it might mean that she saw that he was good. Maybe he was born circumcised, and maybe there was that and more. So we'll try to uh, figure out what that more might mean. First, we'll give another remez. Another remez is um, we have suggested by the Balaturim, who points out very fascinatingly that on the, um, on the, words, on the word tov, so normally there are certain letters in the Hebrew alphabet, especially when they appear in the Sefer Torah, that they have little tagin, they have little crowns, little um, little sticks with, um, with um, I guess, little circles on them that, that look like they have the form of crowns. And certain letters, um, by uniform, they have a certain uh, they have a certain look that have certain crowns. However, the word tov in the in the Sefer Torah apparently, and some, if someone um, gets to do the aliyah for Shani and can confirm this, I didn't see it myself. But apparently, the word tov has extra crowns that are not usual for the normal letters tes, vav, and 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 bays. So, well, where are the extra crowns? So apparently. There are five extra crowns on the word tov. So on the tess, he says that there are two extra crowns. Now the norm, the letter tess normally has three crowns already, three tagin, but apparently there are two additional ones on the letter tess that are not normally there. And in uh, on the letter vav says the Balaturim, there's one crown on the letter Vav. Normally the letter Vav does not have any crowns. And on the letter Bays, he says there are two crowns. Normally there's only one crown, but apparently there are two additional ones on the letter Bays. Why are there five extra crowns on the word Tov? Says the Balaturim, Because later, Moshe Rabbeinu would, would, would accept the five books of the Torah, about which it's, it's said in Mishle, Kilekach, Tov nasati lachem that um, that basically there's a lekach tov a great taking nasati lachem that I've given to you ein tov el Torah tov refers to the Torah and this is in fact what Yochavid was seeing in Moshe Rabbeinu something beyond that uh, that he was destined to to accept the Torah. Now, moving over to Drash, we had already mentioned the, the Drasha that he was born circumcised, that we saw um, as a remez, but it's brought down in the Gemara in Sota, uh, on Yudbeza Amarav, it's brought down in the Bereshis Rabbah, Aleph Chaf, 
And that, along with many other drushas, not just that he was born circumcised, but that the Shekhinah was born with him, that there was an aura of light that shined the room when Moshe Rabbeinu was born. And in fact, um, this can be understood from the first time we find Tov in the Torah, Vayar Elohim Esa'ar Ki Tov, and God saw that the light was good. And we know that what did Hashem do when he saw that this light was good? He stored it away. Interestingly enough, Yocheved sees that Moshe is good and it's a room filled with light. And what does she do? Just like the Or Haganos, she stores Moshe Rabbeinu away for later. Just moving back over to the idea about um, Moshe Rabbeinu being born circumcised. So I'll just mention parenthetically, even though I should have mentioned it before, that the Tosvos Shalem, the Chizkuni, the Torah Tamima, and the Paneach Raza, they all suggest that this idea that um, Tov refers to the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was born circumcised, they say that this is the source for us at a brismila, we say the words Hodu Lashem Ki Tov Ki Liolam Chasta. We refer to um, Tov, this goodness that's associated with the brismila. That same goodness associated with the brismila is associated with the Tov of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's another, again, another drasha that that's connected to what does it mean that 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 Moshe Rabbeinu was Tov. Another drasha that we find from the Gemara that we find from uh, from the from the Medrash is that she saw. Not that not that he was Tov necessarily, but that she named him Tov, or that, that that his essence was Tov. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu was not given the name Moshe at birth. He was possibly named Tov, maybe Tovia or Tovia, um, and that's what Chazal bring down. And maybe when she saw that he was good, this is a reference to what she saw as being his essence, and therefore that would be his namesake. Another possibility also brought down in the Medrash is that she, she saw that he would be fitting for Navua, that apparently goodness in this way is, is, is somehow associated with a destiny of being a Navi. All different possibilities, al Pidrash, of what it might mean that Moshe Rabbeinu was good, that Yocheved saw that he was good. Finally, we move over to Sod. And when we look at Sod, so we're looking at perhaps some lighter versions, but we have in the Megala Amukos, the Megala Amukos in Yud Zion Aleph, he quotes a Zohar in Chelek uh, Aleph, um, and that's Chaf Aleph Amud Beis. And he explains that the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu being Tov was that Moshe Rabbeinu somehow um, reached the level, and at least maybe even at his birth, he was at the level of a Yosef HaTzadik. And he quotes a Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Gimel Yud, which basically says that a Tzadik is Tov. So if Moshe Rabbeinu was evidently Tov, that means he reached the level of Tzidkus, maybe even at his birth, maybe he was destined to it, maybe he was um, somehow, he just had this potential with him. And um, the Megala Mukos often spoke about how Moshe Rabbeinu um, really wanted to enter Eretz Yisrael and never got the opportunity to do so. One of the connections, apparently, is that since he was on the level of Yosef HaTzadik, he really wanted to have the same schus to get his bones to go into Eretz Yisrael, at least, that he could be buried there, just like Yosef's bones would make it back. And we know that Moshe Rabbeinu was Osek in, 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 in the bones of Yosef, trying to make sure that they got back to where they needed to go. But we know that Moshe Rabbeinu did not get the chance to complete that mitzvah the Bnei Yisrael did, in the times of Yehoshua, but that's what the, the Megala Mukos says, that Moshe Rabbeinu was on the level of Yosef, and therefore this was part of Moshe Rabbeinu's argument, which ultimately um, was not fulfilled. Um, also the Tikkun Zohar, um, this is on uh, Nun Aleph Amid Aleph, 
he says, um, related to the Medrash that we quoted earlier, that when Yochevet saw that he was good, what she saw was that the Shekhinah would eventually reveal itself to Moshe Rabbeinu. Whatever you'll say, Yochevet saw that there was something pretty extraordinary about Moshe, um, you know, for, for what, we, what we might call good, you know, in our vernacular, Clearly, when we see the word tov, it means something well beyond. And uh, we should therefore all be zocha in our own way to tap into the very best tov that we can.